They let me pick. Did I ever tell you that? Choose whichever Spartan I wanted. You know me. I did my research. Watched as you became the soldier we needed you to be. Like the others, you were strong and swift and brave. A natural leader. But you had something they didn't. Something no one saw but me. Can you guess? Luck. Was I wrong? Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Kana Rince Podcast, Volume 4, Issue 185. You can play along with Kana Rince Volume 4, and our next five podcasts will include Valiant Hearts, The Great War, Bully, uh, or Carnis Carnim Edit, if you prefer, and its Scholarship Edition. Following that, we'll be looking at the Geometry Wars series. If you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber, you'll have uh, recently received Geometry Wars 3 uh, Dimensions Evolved, I think it is. They added that update as part of it as well, so uh, you can play that and play along with the show if you want. Uh, then we return to the world of Halo, but not with the Master Chief, because it is the spin-off that is Halo 3 ODST. And after that, the uh, long-awaited, much-requested Dark Souls 2 and Scholar of the First Sin podcast. You can find the full schedule up to the end of the volume at canerince.com, as well as blogs, uh, blog posts, that is, and articles and links to our forum, which is uh, increasingly popular, well-populated and always friendly. Uh, we also have a Facebook page and a YouTube channel. There's also a link to our shop uh, where you can support us, support the continual uh, quality of the podcast by uh, buying Geek Chic Kana Rinse t-shirts and bags. Uh, and that's uh, much kudos to anyone who does that super stuff. Uh, and also just a reminder to please do check out our sister podcast, which is all about video games, music, and it's called Sound of Play. It exists on a separate feed and uh, and as always, please review and rate both of our podcasts. And best of all, do subscribe and get every download in your iTunes or whatever else uh, as soon as the show becomes available. Thank you. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Tony Atkins. Hello. Darren Gargett. Hello. He did it. He did it. Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And Carl Moon. Hey, guys. And this is your Halo 3 spoiler warning. It's a game that's eight years old now. I suspect that anybody who cares knows the story. But there it is. We may talk about the end. Uh, So you are duly warned. So Bungie made this, right? That's one thing we all know. And uh, the game came out first on the Xbox 360 in September 2007. And the Master Chief Collection version was uh, the end of last year, 2014, at the time of recording on Xbox One. We'll talk a little bit about the differences between the two versions. Uh, One thing I wanted to talk about with Halo, it's not something we always talk about with games, but I think in this case it is part of the story because I I also feel like the marketing of Halo 3 set some precedents for the industry. Um, It wasn't the first game with licensed tie-ins with things like Uh, Mountain Dew and Pepsi Cola and it wasn't the first game to receive multiple editions um, with you know added plastic tat in the box but 
it was perhaps one of the most famous um, sort of games to come out with multiple versions, including a very, uh, very high end and expensive swanky um, version. So perhaps we'll tie this in with our uh, with our histories with the game. So let's start with Carl. I assume being a Halo fan as well established, you got this at launch. Uh, but how much money did you spend and did you get a cat helmet with it? <laughs> I did get a helmet with my edition. Um, yeah, it was a it was a day one purchase. Yeah, it, it was one of those really annoying ones because you could it was retailer limited at the time of launch, and I remember it was a really late delivery. So I was sat at home all day up from first thing, waiting for Halo Three, which was hands down the biggest release of that year for me, and it just didn't turn up for the longest time. It was so frustrating. But yeah, it, it was a, a glorious collector's edition. It was one of my favourites. But I actually, I had an uncle um, come and he, and he saw the helmet and he was like, oh, you know, Dennis, who's my, my cousin, his son, um, who was very young at the time, four years old or something, he'd love this, that's the kind of thing. And he would not let on. And in the end, I sort of got guilt-tripped into giving it away to uh, to my cousin. So um, it's, yeah, it's the only collector's edition I've ever given away. Uh, so that was the the, the 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 cat helmet as it became dubbed um, yeah. because it wouldn't fit on a normal <laughs> yep. human's head. It, it um, wouldn't fit on anyone's head. Not even like a this cat. weird like book hole yeah. slot it inside the helmet. Yeah. Discs, yeah. right? Didn't it? It, does, it yeah. did. Yeah, it was a vertical stand that that kept three discs, uh, three cases side by side and, and slid over. So the slot was essentially like a post box under the helmet, uh, which was a little bit disappointing uh, because I did want to put it on my cat. Uh, yeah, I don't actually recommend that listeners put a large plastic helmet on their cats for a number of reasons, um, possibly their own safety. But uh, <laughs> but it, it, I know I've seen I've seen some photos of people who did exactly yeah. that. Uh, I'm sure just for very brief periods of photo opportunity. <laughs> That's it. it. It's worth it. A picture lasts, you know. Yeah, a lifetime. Yeah, and the cat's horror lasts mere seconds. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so presumably you played this through. You played this through in. Uh, I'm going to say you did it. First on heroic and then on legendary, you'd be wrong. Um, oh. I, my friend who I played one and two with in split screen. By this point, he'd actually picked up an Xbox 360, so he bought his standard uh, puny vanilla edition, and he he brought it round. And we actually we brought the TVs into the into the house, uh, and it was a, a LAN um, Xbox 360 LAN, which is kind of weird. Uh, given that we did it all the time with PCs leading up to that point, but to do it with consoles. And we actually went through the campaign straight away on Legendary uh, on our own screens, full, full get, got all the snacks in and all the drinks and just didn't sort of leave the room until it was done. Fair enough. Um, had you participated in the, the uh, beta that came with Crackdown? Yes. I, I'd never really fancied Crackdown as a game, but I purchased it for, for, the, for the beta. Um, mm. It reminded me of when I bought Zone of the Enders for for Metal Gear Solid 2's demo. So it, it it wouldn't be the first time I've ever done it, except Zone of the Enders was good, and I didn't really like Crackdown. But at least I got the beater out of it. All right, uh, Tony, cat helmet, cat helmet, correct? Yep. Uh, yep. No other way of not getting the cat helmet. Um, yeah, much much like Carl, very very anticipated. Probably talk a little bit more about, um, like, let's say, the media hype behind it. But once again, very much caught up in it big fan of the halo series up to that point so was always going to get the most ridiculous edition i'm sure can't remember how much it cost but i'm going to say probably too much um mm. i'm actually looking up <laughs> in my old kind of podcast gaming room full of skylanders and consoles and you know all my old gaming tech 
I see my uh, cat helmet standing proud above, just just above my head, looking down on me every time I podcast. So, yeah, something I've kept. Uh, dusty. Dusty, very dusty. <laughs> but I don't know. You know, I've, I've recently stopped buying what I shall dub as gaming tat, although some of it's certainly worthwhile. But, you know, that was one where I had money to spare and... I brought it. Um, as for the the game, I you know the amazing technology. So you know, checking uh, my progress on true achievements, um, like it tracks uh, you know, what achievements you unlock when. I can tell you, I started the game at three o'clock that afternoon after playing what looks like a bunch of multiplayer um, matches, right. and then finished the game on legendary. I it was in co-op, so take that what what you will at uh, nine twenty. So there we go. <laughs> Clearly, I sat down and played the game a lot uh, over five or six hour period. So, yep. And they I, I guess, you know, it goes for us all that we've been back at least once or twice in some capacity. Well, uh, this, this is something I, yeah, I thought it'd be quite interesting for, for the podcast to kind of like bring up my, my gaming stats for Halo 3. You know, it used to all be kept on Bungie.net and it's now kept on 343's mm. um, side of stuff, or at least the Halo channel stuff. And um, campaign wise, I played 59 total games so i guess that's 59 levels in total uh, a game's got right. 12 so yeah um a number yeah. of times over and over and over again uh darren gargette yes cat helmet yeah. <clears throat> no no cat helmet i think that was the from that point onwards i decided to never buy these ridiculous plastic editions i oh, know i just can't do it <laughs> even for games Heretic. that i'm really excited for it's like i just don't want to spend that much money it's it's I kind of like the idea of having the stuff on a shelf, but ultimately it's just too much money for me to part with because I'm a tight git. Um, I bought this on, well, according to my achievement tracking site uh, from Xbox.com, I played this on the 25th of September all the way through on the same day on normal. Uh, went through it on a Legendary Solo soon after. Took me about a week. Um, yeah, and then I played it recently uh, once in on Master Chief Collection co-op with my brother and then again with Tony, Carl and John uh, last week so played it a few times um, I remember the E3 reveal being quite exciting where my, uh, John, Master Chief steps out of the um, like the dusty kind of under an archway like a broken piece of machinery and he steps out and the music kicks off that, that classic piano track plays and I remember being very excited especially after number two So, Josh, how about you? Um, so th- this was my first Halo game um so i i bought a 360 in uh, 2008 and i i i bought it primarily because of mass effect and uh, bioshock uh but um at this point halo 3 had significantly dropped in price it, one of the weird things about these games is they actually lose value really quickly i don't know if you've seen yeah. how much Halo Three goes for now. You can get it for like four pound if you hmm. if you look around. And I think I got that, it. You can get the cat helmet for about a tenner if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, I believe I believe I got Halo Three for around like twelve quid at the time. Hmm. And um, yeah, um, I, it was purely a curiosity purchase, really, just because I had never played a Halo game before, and I kind of wanted to know uh, what the fuss was about. And um, 
Yeah, I it, it took some time for me to actually get around to completing the campaign though, because it was the multiplayer that ended up uh, taking most of my attention. Uh, so it was probably a year later that I actually got around to completing the the single player campaign, and then uh, recently uh, I decided to go through the campaign again with Cat uh, in co-op because I have I've never played it in co-op before, so um, I thought. I'd better do that before the show. For those who don't know Josh, Cat uh, is not his cat on which he puts a helmet. Uh, that is his his uh, his partner, Cat. Yeah. Um, my my history was uh, I did buy the the, uh, the the Halo Three beta. I think I used its inclusion in Crackdown as a kind of excuse to buy Crackdown <laughs> um, because I'm not really I'm generally not interested in playing early betas and demos and stuff. I'm I'm only really interested in playing the final game. But as it was, I ended up getting a lot of hours of fun out of Crackdown. Yeah, great game. And um, uh, and I ended up playing probably about two hours of the Halo Three beta. Um, which ran from May the 16th to, it was supposed to be June the 6th, but then it was extended um, due to technical issues until June the 10th. And I think, yeah, I, I, I think I, you know, had a had a go on it and thought, yeah, there, this reminds me of playing Halo online um, from the last, uh, from Halo 2, from the last gen with a few, obviously some, you know, significant tweaks and um, it looked, looked more, looked shinier. Um, that was, I think 2007 was the first year I had a, an HD telly because for the first, year or so i had a, a 360 i was just playing on a on standard def so uh, i was getting all those perks although as we'll talk about in a minute um halo 3 wasn't full hd at all um another thing i wanted to just briefly talk about uh because this came back as i was researching for the podcast were the uh the various leaks that happened um the uh, 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 copies of the game basically got out mm. from uh from the gold uh version um, and uh, it was a, a code named Epsilon, and uh, Microsoft any, anyone who was caught playing this online ahead of release date was uh, was banned from Xbox Live um, until the end of time or the year nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. Um, is that where the phrase "banhammer" came from? Is that, mm, t- is that, 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 that was just the whole community? Yeah, there was. I think one guy that I think Banhammer predates that. I remember reading that on forums oh, back okay. in the early 90 um early 2000s but i guess i just associated it with the big halo 3 hammer that you can smash on people's faces and i I assumed that was the band yeah it makes sense (laughs) i don't think so uh but yes that was that that was a big story um of the you know on the the internet forums of the day and um people were people were then able to get hold of retail copies early obviously through connections um and actually argos over here um made a mistake and just started releasing copies a week early um for whatever reason if you, either staff were uninformed or you know they they claimed it was a mistake anyway um i guess there's there's always some suggestion that it could be a a money making angle but they they risk uh, having inventory um withdrawn from them so we had Gears of War came out before Halo 3 and, and that started to drive the piracy up somewhat but Halo 3 definitely took the piracy for the Xbox 360 to a whole other level mm. um, you know p- people were buying second consoles and then just hacking the first ones and that's right um, and it, it became so, a little bit crazy to the point that, that 
everyone seemed to know someone who had a modded Xbox or, you know, had access to Halo 3. And no matter where you looked on the internet that, that would do, you know, if you were downloading stuff not so legally, Halo 3 was everywhere, even if it wasn't, like, targeting at games. I mean, the, the, the presence of that game leaking was astronomical. That was probably the moment that drove home how big Halo 3 was as a release. Because, obviously, for me, it was big anyway. But in, in general consensus, I wasn't aware of how massive it was until I saw how excited and how people were clamoring for a pirated copy of it early that seemed a bit crazy for me even people who had their orders and were keeping their main orders had to play it early because it had leaked it was it was insane yeah i remember there were you know there was there was outcry about because some people had got the leaked a leaked copy and had been playing it you know the the um there were videos of the end end scenes uploaded to youtube and stuff um, I mean, even that idea in itself was was a lot newer then. Um, was, YouTube was two thousand and five, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. It's only only been around a couple of years at that point, but yeah. So you could just go and watch the end sequence and things like that. But I, I'm sure that while obviously it would have cost uh, Microsoft a certain amount of money, ultimately that sort of level of hype um, probably uh, leads to a lot of extra extra well, publicity as well. I was- and, I also think you, you don't get the, the same amount of hype now purely because I think there's other other areas that the media drives yeah. it for it be for it you know podcast fan sites etc or you know Twitch you know getting games early and, and pushing that message there's so many ways for uh, a multimedia message to be delivered I do feel like in 2007 there was that much like Halo 2 at the time it was very much almost old style grassroots like get it onto billboards on the side of buses and in yeah. shop stuff and I, you know, as I say I think it's diminishing returns because I think the, the industry and the, post, you know, the public have changed in the way they consume advertising so we may never actually experience that kind of hype level towards a, a massive release again. And, so. and whilst it will have affected Microsoft sales, and Microsoft were obviously rightly infuriated by it, I don't think they were overly worried because the presence of Halo 3 uh, being pirated was it had to be played offline and it was a really anticipated online shooter and they, they knew that a lot of people were coming into it for that. Uh, on the on the back of Halo 2's success, so it was obviously going to drive new sales and, and legitimate copies onto consoles, r- yeah, regardless. Mm. Yes, indeed. So one of the the key selling points used in all that marketing and advertising uh, we talked about were was almost it was I to me it almost always felt a bit like a, a kind of uh, flicking the V's at the, <laughs> the the big fans of Halo Two because it was like yeah well we didn't finish the story last time so we're going to do it now so you better buy this and play it <laughs> finish the fight um, yeah so for me uh, I guess um, I didn't really care because I never played these games at all for the story I had a certain amount of affection for Cortana as a character um, and that was about as far as it went in terms of my experience of Halo. It was always about the story that is every individual skirmish and the overall sense of epic sci-fi scale, the the nitty gritty, the minutiae of the politics and the the Halos and the flood and the forerunners and the covenant. I really couldn't give a stuff about. And and for me, Halo 3 story kind of picked up where Halo 2 left off. I think it was slightly, you know, it had it had a bit more drama. It had a bit more clarity and focus. But I'm, I'm most interested because I, I know, Darren, you're much the same with me on this. Um, but for Carl and uh, I think, Carl, you're somebody who's perhaps even gone further and read the novels and things like that. Tony, is that you as well? I've read a couple, but not all. Right. There, there is a lot so, now. <laughs> So was this, you know, part of your hype for this, car? Now, I know, you, I, I guess you'd probably say that your main reason for your love of Halo as a series is the gameplay. But 
um, as somebody who was at least somewhat invested in the in the scenario and the story, did Halo Three excite you and did it satisfy you? It absolutely did, and again, a lot of this comes to the fact that from the very first game and the second game, I played with the same friend, and we went through them as co-op campaigns. And there's there's something with the direction that they took Halo Three that I'll talk about later on again. Why that felt so good in co-op, where you know the other ones were obviously great, but this one felt a little bit special. But he was as equally excited for it and in in the off time between releases we'd always be talking about not just the events or the actions that have happened in our games or the skirmishes or you know those halo moments that we mention but that we'd actually discuss the story or whether they take it this way or that way and and then as it unfolded you know at the end of every chapter we'd we'd discuss you know what happened what our thoughts where's it going to go and it, it was it's like a special bond that we've had that we've shared that experience um and whether for people who say that Halo should or shouldn't be played in co-op, whatever, the, being able to talk with someone over all those things, uh, that that only helped the story. We were both excited for that. Obviously, the, the huge campaign, finish the fight. I mean, finish the fight just sounds cool. So um, the whole lead up to the finale of that game uh, and you know finishing that fight were that was just absolutely just complete magic and yeah i mean i am a fan of the halo story the the halo law yeah um i never actually read the novels but i read okay. a lot of stuff online sure um so the fan expanded universe and wikis and stuff yeah yeah so yeah. getting to know it all is more important than actually reading for me a take on the story although the, the books have become their own thing in, in that you know the games have actually started to lead off the books which is pretty cool um but yeah, for me, I thought Halo 3 does have a story. I was a bit lost, I mentioned that on the Halo 2 show, that it did lose its way, it lost a bit of clarity, and that became a case of just playing the game rather than you know enjoying every element like I did with the first. But yeah, for me, Halo, Halo 3, the story, it was a big thing for me. And we may as well already get there, because I'm not sure we'll come back to it, but the, the ending to this one obviously caused a lot of talk um, for a while. Uh, well, in fact, the, you know, the people back on Earth, um, you know, feel that uh, Master Chief has basically won the fight, eliminated the the flood, and and so on. Um, and but ultimately, you know, paid paid the ultimate sacrifice. But actually, we learned that he hasn't, and in fact, he's uh, he's drifting Ripley style in uh, in cryostasis or mm. whatever. Um, now I know that as with all I think all the Halo games you get a little bit more to your ending if you complete it on heroic and legendary mm-hmm. don't you? Um, you do. and I can't remember the 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 exact details of the, of the extra bits here but. Yeah the, the legendary ending purely as you, you always see Master Chief um drifting in space with Cortana also features one of my favorite lines in video gaming which is wake me when you need me Yeah it's such a you know it's a cliche line but I I really think it works and of course it you know played perfectly into marketing campaign and future halos but um yeah. yeah the the legendary ending thereafter was a a panning shot from the back of the ship and reveals him drifting towards a, a planet what we then eventually know that it's the the promethean planet that they that mm. they cocked up for halo uh, i say co- cocked up cooked up for halo for well, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. personal opinions aside <laughs> yeah, yeah. um yeah. Yeah. who knows because it, it's very you know bungee clearly you know 
felt like that maybe the story arc had come somewhat into a uh, you know a circle and they were happy with it but it um, takes more it takes more than just being isolated in space to stop the financial juggernaut yeah, of hill exactly uh, and then that never was going to be the case but yeah we'll we'll talk more about that as and when we get into the further releases probably reach yeah. maybe. And I, I think one of the key points there is that bungie were happy to leave it at a point mm-hmm. and whilst they were so i mean there's, there's mixed reports i think they were happy enough to make at least at least one more halo game but they wanted to get out of that Master Chief universe. So obviously we saw with ODST. And then there were, the, you know, uh, there were reports that they were happy to go and do Halo Reach and others that, you know, they were somewhat forced to do another Halo game when they wanted to do something original. But, yeah. you know, out, the, the removal of Master Chief allowed a little bit of freedom for them. Yeah, definitely. We'll talk about those, obviously, with those yeah. upcoming shows. So, so back to your point, Leon, though, about, you know, were you, you know, I don't know, satisfied or excited by what you had from the story of Halo yeah. 3? I I think I was very happy that they'd, um, you know, I, I've gone back and I actually appreciate Halo 2's story now more so than I ever did uh, back through originally playing it. Um, I think, you know, there is some depth there. And in fact, if anything, Halo 3 feels like it's um, a little light on story because they try to dish out so much in Halo 2 that uh, to, to well, essentially what they do, which is they, they go back to what made Halo or Combat Evolve so great, which was kind of just make it a bit of a space opera. Um mm. And so they they ease up on the story a bit. There, there's still some ridiculous stuff in there. Grave Mind is still, I think, a misstep in the entirety of the story. But okay, like he's there. It features some bad levels around him. But the space mm. opera feel of just it's a bit more light. It's a bit more airy. It's just more fun. And you know, I got to the end of that, and there was a certain you know I was playing with a, a friend of mine called Jamie at the time. Um, and every cutscene would come on, and we would sit there in reverent silence and you know, soak it all in and got to the ending and wanted to see the extra legendary bit at the end. So the assignment for me was there and it, it mainly does come down to the, you know, Master Chief um, and Cortana are two very, very infectious characters that you really, there's, whether it be the voice acting, the way their look, you know, it's, there are brilliantly designed characters that I think it did capture the imaginations of people in that space shop for, you know, time. But, there's plenty of other aspects of that story that are certainly weak and it's not the greatest game story in the world. I remember the marketing for the co-op being revealed. I'm, I was browsing some websites and I saw the image of four. There's Master Chief, you've got the Arbiter and then two kind of other elites as well, I believe, being the, the filling roles for the, you know, the four players. I remember that being... Four-player co-op, yeah. Yeah, I remember that being very exciting for me because um, I was willing to play it with three other people, but also how are they going to reintroduce Arbiter into the story and thinking are they going to do another flip-flop where you know you play as Arbiter one side and Master Chief the other side but it turns out barely used yeah it's barely used but I feel like they've done it better this time around I'd rather it kind of be more on a level playing field rather than completely different gameplay mechanics I, I kind of like the consistency throughout Halo 3 and the light and airy story while I still don't get what happens like whenever there's a cutscene it is easier to digest for me and I, again, I couldn't really tell you what happens in Halo 3 story, but I, I enjoy watching it more because it's not as intricate or, you know, um, complicated. Yeah, there, there is a there is a sort of a fairly straightforward synopsis you could give it, but um, we won't we won't bore the listeners with that. But if there are if there because I, I don't want to um, as host as somebody who doesn't really care that much, I don't want to um, barrel through this. If there are things that people want to say about the story beats, so. Do come in on that, Josh. Sorry, what were you going to I, say? I mean, I I had a 
curious kind of experience with this as this I was, was my you, yeah. you know first halo game um yeah this how this, did that work <laughs> i mean i didn't understand anything that was going on um no. as, as you say um like halo 3 is pretty light on story and for somebody who hadn't played any of them before it felt like i was just dropped into the middle of a conflict without any context you actually whatsoever. Were. that's why context whatsoever um going back to the 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 previous games did give me that context and obviously now i i have a clear picture of what's going on but even back then like there was this weird kind of pacing issues i had with kind of the way halo 3 presented its narrative and and kind of hearing you guys talk about halo 2 um on that on that podcast um and talking about how weird the pacing was with that it, it it felt like with that game it sounded like your problem was that that was an act one and an act two without an act three it just ended at the end of act two whereas with with, yeah. with this game i feel like it's entirely an act three and mm-hmm. nothing else <laughs> and it's all tying up it's the entire thing is just tying up those story threads so for me as somebody who had never played any of them it just like I was completely baffled by what was going I, I, on. I, and I would give you an example though. If if you went if you went and played Mass Effect Three, like there's yeah. once again tying up loose ends all over the place. That that's not the same experience if you've gone from one to two to three. Yeah. It's very hard for to jump on at that point. I mean, how how I would describe it is that you know maybe you could say that that Halo Two was an Act One and Act Two, but after playing Halo Three, I would say that each of the three games are their own acts. And saying that you find Halo 3 had to, had to understand because you've not seen the first two is like watching the Lord of the Rings movie and starting at Return of the King. You just don't get what's happened because it doesn't treat people that way. It, it is intentionally out there for that story. You know, I think that's a positive for the game. I, I, dis- I disagree that it's exactly the same as playing something like Mass Effect 3 or watching the last of the Lord of the Rings movies. I do agree that if you were to watch those films or that play that game out of context there would be a lot of information that you just didn't understand yeah but both that game and you know return of the king follow an act structure there is an act one where everything's being set up there's an act two where um you know the kind of main thrust of the story is happening and then there's an act three where everything gets tied together like Halo Three starts at the beginning of an act, fr- like Act Three. Like everything oh, that was, it. everything that was set up in Halo Two is being wrapped up here, and there's no like setup or any kind of main thrust to the story that was going on in Halo Two. It's all just let's finish this fight, and um, I, I don't necessarily think that's a negative. I just think it's interesting to bring it up as kind of like an examination on how this Mm. series has treated story um for it to be so convoluted well from hearing what you guys were talking about in halo 2 it sounded like it was so convoluted in that game and it for it to be almost non-existent in the third entry is kind of curious and i think it also speaks to why 
a lot of fans feel like Halo 1 is still the strongest single-player campaign, because I think out of this trilogy, it's the only one that has a strong sense of, like, the three-act structure. That first game has an Act 1, has an Act 2, and an Act 3, whereas Halo 2 has Act 1 and Act 2, and then Halo 3 is just Act 3 and nothing else. And that's why those two games are weird weird in terms of pacing, Mm -hmm. and the first one isn't so much. I mean, I don't, I don't find the pacing too awkward in Halo Three. Personally, I, I, I do see the acts in, in Halo Three as someone who's maybe replayed it more than more than most. But my issue with the pacing in comparison with Halo Two was that, that it was the flip flopping between the Arbiter storyline and the Master Chief storyline that you lose your place in that timeline of events, and that's where it sort of gets lost. And in just focusing on Master Chief in Halo Three, you're able to just follow it through and whilst there could be better separation into what our act it does flow through from beginning to end um, it's interesting that's where it gets lost into it's interesting to uh, think of all the people like josh because there will have been many let's not mm. forget oh, yeah. that that the uh, halo 2 was a massively successful game on a not massively successful console yeah. um the original xbox you know ended up doing okay but microsoft were very keen to kill it off very quickly when they replaced it with the 360 the 360 became a huge seller did very well after a, you know maybe a slightly slow start due to you know product uh, you know demand and things like that but ultimately halo 3 sold three million copies more than halo 2 which suggests there were at least three million people who for whom this was the first halo and maybe there's an argument to say that they didn't do it they didn't particularly attempt to accommodate that (laughs) that rather large section that 25 percent of their much better job i mean something like shenmue 2 which was released on xbox came with an entire disc dedicated to the story of the first that's, you know, that, true, that's yeah. a much better way to to tell you the the preceding game's events yeah. than to just go hey you've just fallen out of space and landed on earth and you know why is he still alive which there must be people playing saying well he would never survive that you need the previous events i was i was the person sitting there going oh my god he landed let's continue this fight so it's, yeah. it's this weird kind of juxtaposition between the two yeah and again for me as somebody who didn't really care too much about the overarching story, uh, I guess if this had been my first Halo, uh, and it was my third, of course, I would have been like, ah, well, who cares? This is, a, you know, I'm having I'm having a lot of fun <laughs> mm. shooting stuff and playing this, uh, you know, this hugely flexible and refined combat yeah. system. And I guess that was, you know, that was probably the experience for Josh and uh, and those three million others or however many I, it was. I think Halo has always been somewhat of a Marmite game. You get those that will always love the way they're played and you get those that hate the way it plays. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Those that really like the way they look and then those that are really turned off. And the story is the same. You get people like me who think the story is great and that the law and, and the universe of everything that goes around. I mean, the, the best example of that is when you look at those people complaining that, you know, where is it in Destiny when you had so much of it in Halo and then you go, other people going what you're on about there's none of that in halo so why does it matter Mm. it is there but you you sort of really got to immerse yourself in it and take a lot in there is a lot of things going on in the in the halo universe Hmm. um and if you fall in love with any of those areas whether it's you know the art the gameplay uh even the music or anything then halo always has that something special that makes it stand out from the crowd and i think for me the fact that i've always loved the story first and foremost and then on top of that, you've got, for me, the best piece-to-piece, moment-to-moment shooter 
in terms of a single player game that there's ever been in terms of a franchise that there's a lot for me there to love and like tony you know he lands out and i'm like yeah that's it carry on <laughs> Get, you know that level of excitement um was was something else and uh, there's there's a lot of moments that we'll talk about in Halo 3 where you know my excitement peaked at an all-time high for the Halo series. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Combat Evolved. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I put it down as it's, it's one of the absolute uh, lead, most important first-person games we've seen in terms of its influence. Um, and it's still great to play. And for anyone who wants to listen to my thoughts, I was on the original Halo podcast that we did. Those thoughts are still hold true now. And mm. for Halo 3, Halo 2 felt like it stepped off a bit. But as we mentioned on that show, there were a lot of mechanics that weren't quite right, but they weren't a million miles off. I felt like Halo 3 started pulling all those in together. And, and from, from the get-go, it, we were just sort of off and, and, and going with Halo 3. And if you knew the story up to that point, it yeah. played a far bigger advantage into enjoying the start of that game. I do really like the intro to Halo 3 when you see Master Chief falling like a shooting star, um, you know, which is obviously the end of Halo 2 where they finish the fight yeah. and the bomb and all that. So he's he's falling to this... Uh, I don't know what it is, actually. It just shows my ignorance to the story. I don't know if it's a Halo or a, or a planet, but you see him shooting towards the, you know, the, the, the soil, the Earth. And just how... Like um, the, all the people around him, they, they assume he's dead. Like it looks like rigor mortis has set in, and he's like an action figure just posed there. And then you know he, yeah. he gets reset back into action. And then he sees the arbiter cloaked, and he's you know he's he's obviously forgotten like the, the events of two maybe. Like and he runs up to him and puts the pistol right underneath his uh, his weird jowls. I really like the introduction to that, and uh, you know every time I play Halo Three, I make sure I watch that intro because it kind of sets the scene really well, despite me being a bit yeah. ignorant to the whole story. It was interesting, um, I was looking back at some of the making of uh, videos that you can still find, of course, on YouTube, and um, they were, Bungie were talking about how they... I, I, I wasn't really that cognizant of this through my any of my playthroughs, which which says something, but there, there are sort of multiple... Um, ways of of telling the story so there's there's uh cut scenes that you activate basically where you normally press a button or something and the screen goes letterboxed and it tells the next bit of story there are some bits which you can pretty much break into which i hadn't sort of really remembered that there are some scenes which are being played out actually in the game engine so um sergeant johnson being imprisoned or uh, or a marine being squeezed for information or something like that mm -hmm. you can actually break into that and interrupt the 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 kind of um the pre-scripted stuff and um take it you know take it onto into you know create it into your own game and then there's also there's there's um you know uh rendered cutscenes as per usual but um but i think as much as again keep saying it but i wasn't that fussed about the overall you know the the conclusion to the story and the toings and froings between the covenant and the brutes and all that sort of thing um it certainly kept me engaged with those storytelling techniques uh, in the sense of, um, you know, you, you go into a room and even if, like, even if you don't care about the, you know, the, the, the ultimate uh, denouement, you still want to win each individual fight because it's a space game and you're a space trooper and, you know, you grew up watching Star Wars or whatever. So, Obviously, if you go into if you you enter a place and there's there's nasty aliens shaking down your mates, you want to kick in the, the nasty aliens. That's and right. That's, yeah. You know that's as far as my my simple motivation needs to be. <laughs> and that's where one of those points that's where one of those points comes in that I said that 
I feel like Halo 3 plays better as a co-op game than the previous two, and it's not that mm. I didn't enjoy the previous two games no, in co-op, I did, but it's that the events of the world are going on around you at any time, and it, it sells that even if you're not there, something is happening. Now, there are moments where this is sort of faked in the first, I'm thinking, you know, when you're on uh, the Pillar of Autumn at the very start, and you might see the Marines fighting some elites, but the grunts will always feign surprise because they've been spawned in sort of just around the corner because yeah. that's their character trait. However, in Halo 3, there are moments where you, say, walk through the jungle and you see the brutes absolutely manhandling Marines, and they won't pay you any attention because that is what they are doing. Their focus is on you. Now, in Halo 1 and 2, those moments where you walk into a room and something is shown point blank, those are intended for just you to be playing. So if you are playing in co-op and your friend goes on ahead of you and obviously the, uh, teleporting to your, your co-op mm. aid aside, even if you're just behind, you may miss that moment or that reference or that look that an enemy will give you. However, that doesn't happen in Halo 3. Those are always in, you know, always in progress. So your friend can walk one way and you can walk the other and the events, say, are happening in the distance and you can both reference those points that the story of this world is going on around you. And if any game can do that, it immediately pulls me in. It's something that I referenced on our Half-Life podcast at the very start, that opening of that game, um, where you are entering Black Mesa and all the events of workers are going on around you. That sells that story of that, you know, that sells a story to you as you're exploring that world. That's what Halo 3 does that the first two didn't. Mm. Um, and that plays out right from the very moment that you land on the jungle on Earth and, and progress. It's a story element that I do want to just talk about before we get onto the, the full conversation on the gameplay is that strangely either Microsoft or Bungie decided to to make the relationship between Cortana and Master Chief or John um, more than just like hey I'm inside your head I am a computer AI they they started to to lean heavily towards that you know not necessarily that there's a sexual relationship clearly there's a romance but there is a there is a romance there's more of a a bond there that she's broken Cortana herself has broken out of the mold of just AI, and you know there there is something special about John, but equally there is something as special about Cortana as an AI. Mm. Um, and I, you know, as somebody who had been following the games, you know, always thought that it was very much almost like a buddy buddy movie between those two. But to see the slightly you know different side of that relationship where he feels like he he fundamentally needs her, and she is you know she's at that point you know out of power, out of energy, um, maybe a little bit corrupted by the, the system where she's been left back in Halo 2 and to see them kind of reunite and, and at that, that point kind of the game kicks up another gear um, I thought it was yeah. a, it was actually a, a really interesting take of well where are they going to continue I, with this and I that really stayed like kind of bound now the, one of the big criticisms I've heard from a lot of people when I've discussed Halo 3 in the past because me being me I talk about Halo to a lot of people um, they all say why is there a relationship between an AI and a space marine? And part of that, the reason that it makes sense is that he's been chosen since he was young. He's been forced into this. She realizes the pain and the frustrations that she's had. She's a smart AI and everyone knows the feeling of the thoughts of being with someone. 
um, that thought of whether it's talking to them or being in their company and enjoying that, and that's the bond that it's built on. Uh, and for me, they absolutely nailed it in Halo 3. Now, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I absolutely love that story arc in that game of... of um, not that, you know, it's obviously the guy saving the girl, but it doesn't fall down those you know horrific tropes because Cortana has done so much and she's really the you know the the power she's the one that stays behind that makes the decision she's the one that does the heroic stuff Definitely, in Halo yeah. 2 um yeah. and and you know she's more than capable uh, yeah. in, in doing her stuff and in her fight she is still feeding the information out you know she's trapped under grave mind and she's been affected throughout Halo 3 and she's still fighting to help you through the battle I, I, think- I just thought it was a really good take on on that arc yeah, and I think uh, I think you're right. Anyone who w- was to criticise a story for um, saying that it included uh, relationships, you know, that's effectively what they're doing. The whole point is you need you need some sort of humanity, even if it is a, su- a, a giant super genetic soldier and an AI. That's that's utterly irrelevant. It's still got to be a story that you can you you need to have a, hum, a humanity to it and an in. So if those are your characters, it's kind of it's almost irrelevant, you know. But but actually, you know, most of the most of the most interesting classic sci-fi tales that involve AIs is is of course about them um, gaining um, human emotions and all that yeah. sort of thing. Because otherwise, you've got no you know it would just be really cold and sterile and boring. Um, I mean, I've I've always got a soft spot for that storyline. You know, I've said it a million times, my favourite movie is Blade Runner, and that's the exact core of that story. Of course it is, yeah. As soon as as you go down that route, I I absolutely... And it it helps that Jen Taylor, who voices Cortana, does an incredible job. Yeah, she is brilliant, I think. Um, And and there's there's a fair bit of... uh, We we talked a little bit about the cast. Obviously, some of them return. Steve Downs, whose only role in life is to play the Master Chief, and uh, you've got Keith David coming back, but... Obviously, we got uh, Ron Perlman, who who I love uh, as Lord Hood, and Terence Stamp as Prophet of Truth. And I suspect that Terence Stamp is, uh, you know, I, I doubt my 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 instinct tells me he didn't give a stuff about the the uh, yeah. the actual story, um, but he still put in a good performance. You know, I can imagine <laughs> if so, he was one of those if he was at a, a fan convention and you know somebody said, so you know, what did you think? What do you think the Prophet of Truth made of the you know the scenario between? And you can just imagine him saying, "I just read the lines, dear." Um, yeah. Uh, but also you've got able supporting cast, you know, many uh, well-known names that we've mentioned many times before, Steve Bloom, Fred uh, Tatasciore, John DiMaggio, etc., etc. So, and then when you add on top of that, uh, which you can never underestimate, um, Martin O'Donnell and uh, mm-hmm. Salvatore's soundtrack, oh. and even if even if you don't give a stuff about the ins and outs of the story, you can't, help but be sucked into the feeling of space opera epicness yeah Yeah. i mean that's what what i was gonna say like in the absence of understanding what was going on in the plot (laughs) uh when i first played this just listen to the music i think it's just the sheer force of halo's personality that ends up winning you over um just like the voice acting and and the the music and the sound design and all of that stuff even though i'm not particularly invested in the a to b 
be of you know what's going on in the world and what have you i just the feel of it as you say it's compelling like you feel empowered by that music when it starts to kick in and you know keith david has the coolest voice of anyone in the world so whenever the arbiter speaks i'm like yeah well i i don't really understand what he's saying but it's keith david so i i'm i'm swept in you know swept by the magic of his voice um it's the same thing as you when filmmakers use morgan freeman for voiceovers (laughs) it's like well you know you've you've got the audience there it's it's, it's already like an instant win in that regard isn't it but yeah the music i mean we've talked that that me and darren and tony played through this in in co-op beforehand Mm. And the amount of times one of us would go, oh, this bit of music, oh, <laughs> just, you know, I mean, you're talking several times yeah. that this, this happened. It's, it's not one-off or just it, one or two tracks. It's, it's funny, it's isn't the, it? It's the pure the, force of that soundtrack. With our, mm. with our sister podcast, Sound of Play, um, it's almost, you come to the board and you think, you know what, I could bring a Halo track this week. But there's almost that, oh, that's too obvious. Because Halo's you know, soundtrack is just brilliant from from start to finish. So that yeah. there's so mm. many good tracks on there that you could, you know, we could literally, you know, dedicate a you know a whole bunch of sound. Well, you could just go and listen to the soundtrack. You could, you? Yeah. Um, and you know, it's not the only game to do that. But it it's you know its brilliance is making you like Joss said it is making you kind of just energized about what you're doing. We were all kind of joking and laughing. It was bringing smiles out your face. If music can can do that in a game, then you know other parts of the game like story can probably be slightly lacking and it still feel like an epic it's kind of funny how it, it pushes the out definitely gave me the goosebumps moments which rarely happens for me like yeah like I, I hate to say it like but like actual music made by my favorite artists give me those goosebump moments and halo 3 soundtrack in particular does it it's got a piano riff in there that really really dun, does it dun, for dun. me I think I watch the story because of the awesome music, but I also watch it in the vain hope that the faces all get better visually. I'm like, these faces can't these faces can't get any worse, can they? And they say it's like a car crash situation where you carry on watching the story where where you carry you know, you rub a neck at the car crash just to see what's going on and you think, Are these Halo faces gonna get any better? Like That's a very good point that we should have mentioned actually. For all for all the good things we've said about the storytelling, um the the animation and character models uh were below par even for 2007 I, I would say yeah um yeah. I, yeah. I just think it's the engine it, it has to be because every game has followed suit and it, there was even that moment i just i've just e freeze happened and i saw the halo fire faces i'm like yeah still don't look right and so almost it <laughs> yeah. seems like a halo tradition but it yeah they they are distracting even the like the, the master chief character model is just glorious and it gets better and better every game they yes. add more and more lighting and shadow effects and dents in his armor but the human yeah. the human skeleton structure in it they always they they run funny the animations off well, master the chief runs, i was gonna say master chief might look good when he's standing still but when he moves he looks like a, some sort yeah, of like he looks like Buzz lightyear yeah, yeah. He's yeah the enemies look space. kind of fine what do you expect <laughs> that's true that's what he's got a start he looks like an action figure <laughs> But yeah, it does persist throughout yeah. the whole game, uh, even when he's got a turret detached. Like it look, he, it looks like he's got a pole up his bum. Do you know what I mean? It looks really awkward. Um, but yeah, like some of the faces actually look like they were. Like, I don't know. It's like an Easter egg, but smashed in. It's like it, it just doesn't. Well, it doesn't look right. It looks like it's just like proper right angles and sharp. Well, you know, probably tighter yeah. than right angles, but like actual. Oh, it's really hard to explain, but they're really angular and horrible, and the noses aren't actual like real noses. They're like filled up with like. Probably why in Destiny so many people Ugh. are behind face masks as well. They're just not very good at faces. <laughs> yeah. I, I, 
I I mean I would argue that the the enemies kind of make up for that. They do. Um, yeah. The the brutes and um, and the grunts and and all of the brutes flood. are now hairy in this one, properly hairy, which is yeah. great. You know, the HD added a lot, I think, to the to the the uh, not only in terms of the amount of stuff that they were cramming into the into the sandbox yeah. levels, but um, yeah, I think you're right. The the individual looks of the of the enemy types were were wildly improved. It it also doesn't help because it's set against some absolutely fantastic art design. The, the set design of, yes. of the mm. game is just brilliant, and it's it's coming back. It's it's fun playing it now, and um, you know it, we're playing. The, the true 1080p version, etc., on mm. the uh, the Master Chief collection, and it's just glorious. We're you know we're all playing for it. We're all going. Oh my god! Some of the some of the art design is brilliant. I'm, I'm thinking of one where um, it's like this level called Floodgate, which is a fairly kind of spooky level. You know, part of the part of Earth's kind of been destroyed. You're moving through, and you've got you know smoke and things bellowing through, and the the brilliant skyboxes which Bungie are famously known for. You know that the, the uh, the light is entirely a different tone. It's yeah. just really well laid out. Yet against that, you have you know, as it Tasfo Highway, that is um, you know bright, bright sand coloured, and you know once again back to huge environments. Halo Two, yeah, it, it concentrated uh, yeah. in more interior than exterior, and it went very much with the purples and uh, was it purples blues. Um, didn't I th- didn't feel right? I think that's that's right. It's it's. You know, we we criticise this game launched with a lower than 720p resolution, and a lot of people talked about it even then. I mean, not to the degree that you hear people talk about resolutions now because it just gets ridiculous. But over time, you would think that stuff would be lost. You know, you're playing it in 1080p uh, on probably bigger televisions and whatnot. And whilst the fidelity of of detail can be lost or has been bettered the actual art design like tony yeah. mentioned is absolutely jaw-dropping and like anything you know we can go back to retro games and at first there's that shock you know of Ooh, this this is aged a certain way it looks a certain way and then you know 10 minutes 15 minutes or whatever you just don't even notice it anymore and when you lose that and just take in the art it's absolutely wonderful and, and like tony mentioned savo highway is is the first moment that you walk out onto probably a really broad large level in in Halo Three, and it's quite breathtaking. Uh, and you're like, "This is it. This is Halo. It's back." Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we've said this several times on Kane and Rince, but great art direction doesn't age. Um, and and yeah. I think the art direction in Halo Three is really strong. Uh, I think just for me personally, it was the choices and the the color palette and and all of that. It, it has a very joyous and enthusiastic feel to the whole game. Just yeah. it's not dreary or miserable like it's always like look at this color look how colorful we Mm. are and that's what i like about halo the most is the color yeah and (laughs) and for me i i suppose the entire series does this but like halo 3 really evokes like the feel of uh like an 80s or 70s action movie sci-fi action (laughs) movie rather than you know the more modern stuff where the the camera has to be dirty or covered in sand or what yeah. have you. It was it was much more kind of like this is amazing. We know we're amazing, so we're just going to put all sorts of bright colours on screen so you feel the joy of this experience. Um, I'm going to be slightly more critical than the rest of you here. Like I think Halo is extremely pretty in certain areas um and you know obviously there's a lot of water used in this one that they simply didn't have the tech for before although i think the interaction with the water doesn't 
come off um, beautifully. Certainly, when the game came out, as uh, as you said, Carl, it, this didn't even make um, like HD ready resolution as it was then. Um, but I, you know, it was never an issue for me because it looked good anyway. Um, I think mm. they upped it a bit from uh, it, it, whatever it started at. It was like eleven eleven fifty two by six forty. Um, I can't remember if that what it ended up at or, or whether that's what it what it started at. But you know, by today's standards, that's a pretty low resolution. Um, playing it now on the Master Chief Collection, again, I still think a lot of it looks nice. Obviously, it's in uh, 1080p, um, which is great. But I think, if I'm honest, there are bits of the Master Chief Collection which I thought looked a bit rough, and um, there's some pretty ugly pop in and draw in um of certain things obviously you've got an you've now got a super smooth frame rate which is which is lovely and overall the game's really nice but i think it i I think that engine lacks in certain areas in terms of um dynamic lighting and things like that Um, i think just to play devil's advocate that halo 3 has the rawest position in the master chief collection as well you know one had a anniversary remake two's had an anniversary remake. that's true four was on a you know new engine under 343 and actually looks really pretty last gen and looks really good this gen sure like not too dissimilar from what we've played from the halo 5 beta for example so halo 3 really is the odd one out that's had i agree i also think that um we're i'm not saying we're but generally we're we're so used to playing you know unreal engine etc games um that it's nice to actually just to fall back into Halo's universe on on their own engine. You know when developers used to create their own engines uh, mm. to create their own needs, and it's still feel, I still feel coming back to free, like that engine clearly wasn't good at certain things. Um, you know, facial design and character design <laughs> being one of them. But it got the you know they designed it around you know those epic moments uh, within the um, mm. the gaming environment. And yeah, like you know, going back to it now, the trees look fairly ropey um, or bendy yeah and uh, yeah, we found out there's certain trees you can hit they bend like rubber bands and it's kind yeah. of funny um, so I, I certainly know where you're coming from Leon but I, I still think like the colour palette is is different from a whole ro- you know um, whole host of games certainly from the 2007 era when Unreal was really kicking oh, off and I just yeah. think yeah. the look and feel of that all, all come through now and playing it you know this many years later after the initial release um, you know that comes through again it just feels like oh my god it's actually a different engine um, but it wasn't good at certain things but what it was good at gameplay that- <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I just think that there are some some scenes which back in 2007, like taking off in that pelican, um, not pelican, what's the other thing? Goose, mongoose, whatever it is, the uh, the little mongoose flying the... debris. Um, hornet? Yeah, hornet. Yeah, the helicopter. Yeah. 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 Um, taking off in that in 2007 uh, was, uh, you know, like a, a proper you know wow moment over the with the you know sun glittering on the sea mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff and now it still looks really nice but again it's just multiple halo games have gone by and multiple other shooters have allowed you to do you know thinking about the far cry games and and other games that have allowed you to have these you know incredibly mm-hmm. stunning scenes across enormous amounts of yeah. uh, landscape it's just yeah i think time's just caught up with it a little bit in terms of how much it's possible to impress somebody particularly a new yeah. user because you know part of what we do with Kane and rinse is we talk about the experience then and the experience now and i think that um i, I enjoyed my my recent playthrough of halo 3 but um, but there were fewer moments where I was properly like, oh, wow. Yeah, it's entirely fair. You know, 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the character that um, oozes out of Halo 3's world, or just Halo in general, the, the world, it kind of glosses over the fact that it doesn't look particularly great in you know in in, in every level. Like the, it's just the way the Halo, the way Halo feels for me. It kind of just overtakes everything in terms of visual flaws, which is probably you know a, you know my bad. Really, I should take in the no, I don't think know, the, so. The, the, I, the rubbish I think bits. Ultimately, I'm the same. Yeah, I think I think I think that's it, and uh, yeah, we're we're coming right onto the gameplay. So to to bridge that gap, let's talk about the the level design. So I I, I think um, you know this is uh, this is a bit of a cover all, but I think so. The first game kind of uh, had a, a, a mixture of the very l- large, wide open yeah. sandbox areas and the cut and paste indoor levels that felt you know uh, many people found a bit repetitive and, and samey. Um, whereas Halo 2, we talked about the fact that things were a little bit more constricted and linear. Um, so did, did with Halo 3, did they, do, how do we feel? Did they hit the sweet spot? Yeah, for me, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, pre-release of Halo 3, you, you have that worrying thought of, did they get lucky with the first one? Or, you know, can they, can they recapture that magic in terms of their level design? Because obviously that game has Assault on the Control Room and the Silent Cartographer, which are you know still benchmarks for, for world design in a single-player game now, regardless of what game it is, let alone a Halo one. And then Halo starts, uh, Halo 3 starts off and you're in the jungle, and you're like, well, this is nice, but it's it's not too dissimilar to what we've seen in 2. Uh, and then you carry on, then you get to Savo Highway, as I mentioned, and it really starts to open up and... You start seeing the scale of it, and then you get levels where suddenly you're flying around. But I think the moment where Halo 3 really hit me for hitting the absolute sweet spot in terms of um, getting focused gameplay, so we're not talking small environments or easy navigation, we're talking everything's focused where you've got a purpose and you know exactly what you're doing, uh, and everything comes together, but on a large scale is the moment that you see the scarab walking down the side of the building to fight as you're doing another task. And that was probably the big wow moment. Um, in was, terms this of, was the in power terms of, of the next gameplay. gen. It was very interesting again yeah. watching the making of videos again uh, for the first time in many years. Uh, how they were Bungie were as a, as an in unison, uh, really, really down on the implementation of the Scarab in Halo Two. Um, they hated yeah, it the way awful. it looked. They hated the way uh, uh, everything. But actually, I still consider it. You know, the moment where you jump on the back of a moving Scarab. Back in two thousand and four, I thought that was pretty cool. So, yeah, but it, it was. It felt. It didn't feel organic, for lack of a better word. Well, no, it, wasn't. it was more it was that scripted. you just shot two. You, you just yeah. simply shot two people, and that was well, it. Yes. It was over. Well, walking down everything a corridor, basically. Down the river. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Whereas this one, it's dynamic. You know, yeah, you, you it's, take it's it and you're like, how do I beat this? And you jump on it, yeah. and it's still moving around in the world, and it's still doing its thing. And when you're playing that with a friend, and you see him on the back of this scarab whilst you're in one of the scorpion tanks and you think and this scale is just incredible that it's pulling off here that was um, just that, I mean that was a jaw dropping moment I mean that's not just in Halo I'm talking in all of gaming that is one of the moments that I always recall and just think wow I've got a two part answer to this question so not, I'll run for it quickly um, in 2007 yes uh, I think it did hit that as I said before I, I'm so pleased that it it refound um the, the structure that made combat evolve so good um and it run with that and it you know it took the ball and run with it uh the scarab being one of them i i, I remember back in 2007 um playing cult with my friend that that first night um 
just not believing what I could see on screen at that point with the scarab coming down, spending you know twenty twenty five minutes yeah. understanding what they wanted me to do as a player. So in that one fight, there's this huge, great big scarab, which is basically like a, a walking tank with a, a turret firing a massive laser down at you, full of enemies. Um, and within that play area, there's lots of um, ghosts, which are you know, little ships running around. There's uh, you know your your allies on mongooses firing stuff. It's this big battle arena, and, and you feel like you're trapped in the middle of it, thinking, how am I meant to take that down? And I remember something back then, having to puzzle it, realising you could shoot the legs and it dropping down. In fact, how we took it down, we we led it towards a rock and jumped onto the, the top of it. Um, you know, one of us being the, the dummy of firing it over there and jumping on the top and taking it down from inside and then seeing the eventual explosion in, which was just glorious. Hmm. I love, the, I I love the panic of it all. Like, when, yeah. when you hear the alarm go off and it, and it starts tilting forward and backwards, yeah. like there's one of you frantically running around like an idiot trying to get onto the back of it. And when you realise like the actual the, sort of the balcony area isn't reachable, it's going like, to explode. Yeah, you, yeah. you constantly, how am I going to get on there? And then like you, you, you use your warthog to try and jump off that, and you know it's all oh, the mongoose. Sorry, but that that first arena where you have the scarab and it's sort, sort of um, it's like it feels like there's like a million of you on mongooses flying around. When you realise that the guy on the back, the AI guy with a rocket launcher, has basically unlimited rockets it just makes the f- the fight somehow like five times even more enjoyable than what it really is yeah. like that guy's just pinging off rocket but launchers I, for free it's brilliant i i have to say coming back to it now um you know gaming has moved on a lot uh open world games uh you know <laughs> are prevalent now um or the you know big big arena combat games are prevalent now and the halo charm pushes through non-stop it i still love it to bits and still had fun playing it but there is a that point i and maybe this was a problem that you know three guys that have played halo or four guys that have played halo a lot that scarab fight he went down within i don't know two minutes and the the magic that i was recalling back from 2007 was like yep that yep that's gone um and it's that's hard to get back but i I would say it still had that thing and it, it looks glorious now where you're in these big combat arenas and i think you know you you leon had mentioned the way that there's actually a lot of stuff going on the screen there's a lot more yeah. of your companions there's a lot more you know auxiliary vehicles and mongooses with your enemy your uh, allies fighting alongside you there's lots of battles that are happening yeah, and head, you're taking part going back um you know th- this was the first time really i'd played uh, halo 3 very soon after halo 2 whereas at the time, it had been probably, you know, two two years since between the campaigns. And, yeah, it struck me a lot just how, how much, um, how many vehicles and how many troops, how many things can be going off on the ground. And obviously it makes sense because it, it was a new generation of system. But, but um, the amount of tanks and troops and things still do have, uh, yeah, and they just make it more interesting as well. I feel like Halo 3, because <clears throat> it, was, it was probably like the, well, it was the first Halo to sort of revolutionise the way the game plays for me. Like, it had the bubble shields, it had all the tools and stuff that you could toy around with, like the regenerator and the deployable cover. But it never felt like it was unorganic. It always felt like mm, it was meant powdering. to be that way. It was meant to, Like, the bubble yeah. shield was meant to be part of Halo eventually. Like, some shooters... And when they it doesn't. <clears throat> well, yeah, but in Halo 3, like, it kind of feels natural and organic. Whereas some shooters, they have these features in it and it kind of feels like they were just bolted on because they had to get things into a game to sell it on the back of a box. Whereas Halo 3's features, they, they've evolved it from 2, they've sort of taken away from 2 and the fact that you can't lock on with your rocket launcher anymore, which is it was a bit weird for me to realise that. But again, it, like, they seem to do stuff with the way Master Chief or the Arbiter plays and it never feels like it was 
it was it was meant to be this way. Yeah, it doesn't feel forced. As a as a newcomer to the series, I think like straight away, like like Tony and Carl said, I think Bungie's strong suit is just creating scenarios for interesting combat to take place. Um, uh, just having a variety, a, a great variety of enemies that kind of work well together and mm-hmm. have like these interesting weaknesses and strengths, and having like the you know the puzzle nature of Halo's uh, combat kind of come through, where it's not just about how many bullets does it take to take out this guy; it's about yeah. what's the best weapon to take out this guy. That weapon's over there. I need to get over there really quickly and uh and hopefully my co-op partner can distract these other guys while i'm doing that one thing i did notice on this playthrough um well, i think one thing that bungie one of their weaknesses and I, I don't think it's just this game i think it's true of all of the halo games is that once the combat is over and um and it's left to you to get to the next area. They're not very good at kind of visually directing you as uh, as to where you're meant to go. And I often found myself relying on the the arrow to pop up eventually to tell me yeah. where I'm meant to go. <laughs> um, this isn't so much like this isn't an issue throughout. Um, like there, there are some levels where it's pretty obvious where you have to go, but for like the the uh, the flood focused level i believe it's called cortana yeah. um it was so easy to get lost in that area because so much of the lighting and the level design was the, exactly the, irony the same of that, josh is the two levels where I, I can think that that is you're absolutely spot on there's a level called crow's nest and cortana both are inside levels um the outside yeah. levels like the big open areas it seems to be like yeah i'll drive my vehicle over there crow's nest is a, a it's it's not quite the opening, it's the second level of the game. Um, it's actually a not particularly well done mission. You you have to basically clear a base. Um, you know, you're being attacked by the, uh, is it the Covenant? Yeah, it is. Um, at that point, and yeah, and it's t- typical a typical bungee. You have to go from an environment to the end and then work your way back to through to the very start. And even though you've been through the base once, Getting back to the second, you know, we were going wrong turns, and we played it a few, you know, and that, well, probably what seven, eight times. Okay, and I remember this level being annoying. And Cortana is just the worst level in the entirety of the Halo franchise. Yeah, um, yeah it's awful. It's yeah. it's everything. <laughs> it's just and uh, it, it's horrible. I, I, and mean, it I, I think I, I think the the problem with that, and I wasn't such a huge fan of fighting the flood in Halo 1 and Halo 2. I think in this game, because they do some interesting things in terms of the Flood's relationship with corpses on the battlefield and and that stuff, them kind of springing up from the enemies that you've killed, they were a bit more compelling to fight. But I just don't think they work in really tight corridors and really, Mm -hmm. you know, restricted areas. I think they're more fun to fight in open areas where where you can kind of um, get a handle on how many that are out there and and plan accordingly but when you just have tons of them rushing towards you at once it's really hard to um you know to hold your own and and they take a lot more damage off of you than you'd think especially the little ones like you always write them off you walk right past them and think oh i won't bother (laughs) with them but like they'll always catch yeah yeah they'll always catch you out and like just going back to the whole like uh, you know poor poor use of lighting and level design in terms of pointing 
you know, the player in the right direction. I, it just it felt like a lot of the lighting was simply there to light the scene and nothing else. Like it was just allowing you to see what was there. Whereas a company like Valve, they use lighting to actually point the direct, you know, point the player in the right direction. You see that all the time in Half Life Two and the Portal games, where they will use a lighting choice simply because they want the player to go over there. And that's why in those games, I'm never getting lost because I always know where I'm meant to go. Whereas, you know, with this, it just, I, I feel like there are opportunities where they could have just had like a spotlight or anything like that just to point you in the right direction, mm-hmm. especially in Cortana, Cortana, where you're in, you know, you're inside the belly of this giant, you know, hive monster. You, it, it should really be dark in there and you, and like only certain points of light should be, you know, illuminating the God, area. So why not? Any worse? Come on. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's. I just think it, it's a weakness. It was definitely a clear weakness playing it through again. Was just this lack of uh, lack of using level design and lighting to point you in the right direction. It's something I wanted to ask and, and talk a little bit about. Obviously, we already have a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm also uh, I'm I'm on the side of the flood. Um, I I enjoy the fact that they're there, especially when you get the kind of three way uh combats later in in the game i think they're really important but my my perception is that bungie have had really very little other than criticism for the repeated inclusion of the flood and yet they they persisted with them and yeah as carl says they they develop them they evolve them they they tweak them slightly but still i i suspect that as we've got coming up in in this podcast we've got criticism of them in our three word reviews I suspect we'll still get those even in in the future games where uh, flood the flood were were altered somewhat. Um, pretty much every time I see comments relating to the flood online, as much as I see uh, you know people absolutely uh, kind of effusing over the soundtrack and everything to this game uh, uh, um, and talking about how life-changing the whole Halo experience has been and how they cried when Sergeant Johnson died and all this stuff that makes me laugh. Um, they're also like, oh, goddamn flood levels, you know. And and that seems odd to me that Bungie, Bungie obviously consider their inclusion incredibly important to the gameplay. Now, I, I know that, you know, you can justify their inclusion for, for plot purposes because, yes, they, they are what... The, the halos are there to exist the flood are the alien the xenomorph you know they are the ultimate parasite that will take over anything and anywhere if if they're left there but if the game if people don't like the game that the gameplay that that features the flood then it's surprising that they didn't you know they didn't relinquish <laughs> it's, you know there's a really, i think just one thing on the on the flood and something that you know it may be a generalization or an assumption or whatever i don't think it helps that two of the most flood dominated levels across all the halo games have been the library and cortana uh, library from Halo 1, Cortana from yeah, Halo 3, which neither of which are particularly strong levels, and that could have an impact mm. on them fighting the Flood. Mm. You know, I personally, I don't mind the library. I hate Cortana, but I didn't mind the no, library. No, I don't mind the library either. But, you know, would, would library have been a better level with other enemies? Probably there, there not. Is an interest, still wouldn't have liked that interesting level. moment in a level called The Covenant where you're, you're finally stopping the truth. Um, he At one point, you actually have the Flood flighting alongside you. They, know, they see him That's right. as mm. the... Uh, you know the bigger problem yeah. um it's only it it lasts about 5 minutes but it is actually quite a glorious moment them suddenly not fighting you and you actually see yeah. the the full force of the flood where they're just 
throwing themselves in droves at the characters that you're also trying to take down. And mm. there's that moment of, yeah, they they are a, a terrible, terrible force. You know, I can see how they just overwhelm your numbers. It's they could probably played more of it rather than just five minutes. It would have been a you know a, a better sequence maybe. But um, well, yeah, I, th- I, like I think fun. it's actually made out in the story, isn't it? That one of the little guys that Josh mentioned, one of the littlest flood, can take over a whole planet because of how it grows and adapts and moves on. Yeah, just like a like an alien egg. Uh, yeah. It's almost like that's where they got the idea from. I think Halo 3's um, <laughs> version of the Flood is the best looking and the best animated. Because I always found yeah. that the the Flood in Halo 1 and sure. 2, it just felt really bit random. Pooey. In a bit, yeah, it's just like, it just felt like <laughs> someone was just like just throwing them across the floor and they had no real control over what they were doing. And I guess that's kind of because they're called the Flood. You know, there is just like they are just pouring everywhere. But the way they moved along the floor, the way they sort of animated, it's never really gelled well with me until Halo 3. Yeah. And like even, th- even the little, I call them popcorn. They're like little tiny little ones. That, they kind of remind <laughs> me of head crabs. Yep. But we call them popcorn yeah. because there's loads of them, and they're just yeah. they're, they're just they look like they, they used to look like tag nuts. But in um, but in Halo Three, they've got like they've got these little, little tendrils. tendrils with plant like yeah mm. yeah yeah. I find them creepy. I've always found the flood quite creepy. I think it's part again. It's partly the music, the the yeah. original music that played in the library. High violence really yeah. creeped me out. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And it, it's the enemy that doesn't taunt, it doesn't talk, it just does, yeah. you know, it, it, it just it takes over. Um, and I, th- I think that, that yeah, that's the, that's the really creepy part. And of course, in Halo 3, it does actually speak with you. Yeah. Uh, at the start of that level. Mm. Well, at the start of that moment. Yeah. Um, we should talk about some other, uh, you know, tweaks. We, we mentioned a few of the new vehicles and stuff. Um, but one thing we did talk a fair amount about in the Halo 2 podcast was dual wielding. So it comes back here, uh, but it very much feels like something... It always felt to me anyway like something that was less kind of foisted upon you. It felt like yes. the gameplay was um, even... I mean, it was it was just a feature, not a key feature. Yeah, yeah. I guess it wasn't a... You know, it was no longer a back-of-the-box ticker. I guess things like the, the sh- bubble shields and, and things like that were, were more of a, a new... Yeah a new entrant um but again you know you've now got actually there are four kinds of grenade in this game so uh from for, as, as well as the usuals the classics you've now also got the brute grenades and um incendiary, incendiary yeah. so uh it, it just makes dual wielding feel even less <laughs> like something you want to yeah. do because you want to chuck even more different types of grenade but yeah i mean you know, sticky grenading in games is is just one of those things for me that's always it's you know, joy. hugely joyful, uh, satisfying thing, especially a long range throw uh, that sticks on some you know he- heavy guys' uh, face or whatever, and it's always that moment of panic because the AI actually has that panic when they get stuck yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, it, it's hilarious. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's something I like, and of course. You know, not only did they add the new grenades, they added so many new Tons weapons. New weapons and, yeah. and as Dara mentioned, the stuff like the, the turret and, and the regenerator and stuff. But it harks back to what I said about Bungie, and they're all about balance, balance, balance. Mm. And all the weapons balance each other out. And it's, you know, if anyone's actually following the Destiny debacle with uh, one gun overruling all the multiplayer, it, it's pretty funny when you look back and you think that's the one thing they always mm. seem to get right was the weapon balance in the Halo series, and they can't quite get it right yeah, now. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, but in in Halo, whether it's multiplayer or single player, those weapons always feel incredibly balanced. It's uh, yeah, I mean, even some of the existing weapons, I'm sure, got tweaked in in terms of their you know the yeah. amount of damage they did and 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 that sort of thing. I think um, 
the needler were the needlers more or less powerful in this one but they're they're, they're still you know they, they, they feel more aggressive like it feels yeah. more visceral to use that word it's partly but, the um, sound effects I mm, think. yeah and mm. it, it looks a bit more deadly in your hands you know it always looked a bit like you know yeah. like a pink sonic in your hands and that looks a bit quite weedy yeah, yeah. But, but now it actually gives a i think all the guns in halo 3 sound a lot better than you know, Halo 1 mm. and 2 anyway, so I think it's just all part of the audio Except visual. on the anniversary editions, where well, they've all been beefed yeah. up, but mm. yeah, yeah, compared to the original versions. Mm-hmm. But there's a I lot th- of stuff I think that's... the one thing that it does with weapons is that I never feel like I'll pick up a certain weapon in Halo and feel like I have to exchange it immediately. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. there's so many other games where I'm like, oh, I hate this one, I'll throw it away and take something else, because I know that any situation can account for any because kind of weapon. Because it's more of a know. narrow weapon set, too many games. yeah. Yeah. There'll, there'll be moments where you've got short based combat and you're like you're scrambling for a shotgun or um, a mauler or any you know anything of of that sort where you, you can you know take up take over a close quarter battle and then you'll turn a corner and realise that your next battle is you know a wide open skip but you've got your second weapon now at what point do you do do you try and sneak up and use your short weapons and, and take over that way or do you try and find something that's long weapon and back up and take over that way um it's it it has map control in a single player environment and i think that's mm-hmm. something that the people who really like halo really appreciate because it doesn't just throw wave after wave of constant enemies at you it's it's something that it very seldom throws itself to a couple of boss battles in halo 2 were maybe the exception um so you you can actually dominate the maps with with map control in a single player environment, it, it, you know, akin to how people would do it in say Battlefield and multiplayer, and they would take over a squad and they would hold up that way. You can actually do it in a single player environment, and it, and it feels so dynamic whilst you do it. Uh, so yeah, the, the weapons all feel wonderfully balanced, and there's uh, I never feel like I have to exchange one for the I other. I think I'll, it was a I'll bit cool bringing any. back the original pistol, but having it depowered and having not having a zoom anymore. Yeah. It's quite interesting that also magnum. there's some pretty much throwaway stuff in the single-player campaign, like a, you know, a flamethrower that only appears once or twice, um, the the, yeah. the big charge fusion gun thing, the um, the laser one. Spartan laser. Um, that's that's fantastically fun to use on, oh, on emplacements and stuff, but isn't there long. I guess the headline feature really is the battle rifle, um, which which, yes. uh, you know, people uh, talk about a lot and, uh, you know, it's, it's one that I thoroughly enjoy using, but it's absolutely rubbish against the flood, pretty much. Um, you want something yeah. else against the flood. But, um, Tony, I think you were saying that you weren't convinced by the battle rifle at the time. I. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, coming back to a game? <laughs> I, I've never been the... the st- I've, I've always been a assault rifle guy, so I, I love to kind of spray and play. It's a, this, my problem with playing a Halo multiplayer was never the greatest at it because I was always more up close and you know, personal, um, and people doing battle rifles would just take me across halfway across the map before I yep. even got to them. Uh, yeah. That still counts now. But um, I have to say I've gone back, and my my play style of Halo has been almost completely different from the way they played it back when I was playing them in the original. I do now use precision weapons almost exclusively and actually see the assault rifle more as just a, a flood takedown weapon um maybe it was always that case in the single player but in the multiplayer yeah i was people were always better with me with the position weapons but i can't work out the difference still after playing hours and hours of halo what's the difference between a battle rifle and a dmr like are they the same thing or do they shoot differently is one a one shot and the other one's a triple shot? shot aren't they yeah Slightly different power, I think. Um, but yeah, they're, 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 I think they're related. I'm sure Halo experts out there would know the exact damage difference, especially in multiplayer. 
I want to talk a little bit about secrets and Easter eggs, uh, not something that I engage with hugely myself, although I've accidentally uh, stumbled into a few of the terminals. Um, now uh, on the Master Chief collection, they have achievements attached to them, so there's even more reasons to do it other than uh, uh, convoluted they and obscure well, backstory. So uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and there's a few other things, um, fun stuff like the final grunt. Um, there is the one last uh, enemy <laughs> grunt that you can find in the game who has all his own uh, scripting and speech, and he gives you a right, he gives you a right hard time. And Darren which... knocked him off the edge like a golf ball when we played it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before the ledge gave way under Darren, which was hilarious. Bizarre family of uh, freakish cavemen um, stowed yeah. away somewhere in the game, and also perhaps most famously the skulls um which are i i, I remember going through using a, a youtube guide back in probably 2008 to get all the skulls um just so i had them um for halo 3 i would never have found any of these yeah. if i'd been hmm. was that know, the fun uh, 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 the, the, for me the well hidden the well <laughs> hidden in three whereas in in, in two there are some levels where it doesn't always spawn or you've got to match some really right. crazy criteria. Yeah. And, I mean, there are some where you do have to do criteria in Halo 3. <laughs> Infamously, isn't the Darren that he'd never even noticed <laughs> where you've got to jump through hoops in a certain order really to play a, a, a music theme which is, is hilarious oh, that's but, the, the, the um, halo the room that the shows the halos yeah. and you go yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah got... where the flood are on your side and you've got to jump through the the seven rings and each is supposed to relate to a a key of a, a of, chord a, of music yeah. a chord of music mm. thank you. you um and you play a theme from music it's like two, three, seven, five, two, three, and yeah. it plays. Basically, you're playing the the tune to Halo, and, and it will start to light up and get the Easter egg at the end of it. Yeah, it's, yeah. and I always remember that that Easter egg only got found when someone data mined the disc because <laughs> no one knew how to find yeah. it um, because it was it was never explained. But some of those skulls I absolutely love. But the, yeah, they went crazy with Easter eggs in the storm, game. isn't it? Where I think you you take a a hornet and you got the scarab firing at you from distance and you're just going higher and higher and up to a very very like top precipice of this ledge land it all jump yes. off then walk up this massive um like i don't know what it's like a just pile oh, no, that that's for that's for a hidden piece of yeah, music and you walk up to the top and you all just stand there and suddenly it starts playing a different chord of music um all just standing there and it changes the the level music it's yeah there's lots of little bits in there there's too many to go over there's, yeah, they're there always yeah. fun I and mean, like like two it's amazing that a developer is willing to say go find them you know go break the levels go yeah. you know this is uh, games do this now I, I guess but this this was their way of you know having people spend more time in the single player to find this stuff um, and to achieve this stuff and it you know it, going back to it now there's YouTube guides everywhere it's so easy to find this stuff but like you said Leon I, I'm not sure you'd ever happen upon it we're going to upset um, more listeners again this time after really probably under covering the uh, multiplayer for halo 2 we're going to do the same uh, for halo 3 um i played this uh, quite a bit um I'm, I, there's there's n- not many online shooters that i've played for hours and hours and hours and hours um beyond beyond uh, some of the ones that we've played as as an online community things like kill zones 2 and 3 but i did play quite a bit of halo 3 um i always felt like i could have played a lot more and never got bored um but uh i when it comes to multiplayer halo i do enjoy it um and there's a lot of fun stuff that can happen there's uh, it, 
again just it, the, the nature of halo its physics and its um and its balance and its mechanics allow uh for, for amusing scenarios and and an enormous displays of skill and cunning that perhaps not every shooter uh, affords but i guess for me i still always harbor slightly fonder memories of playing co-op campaign and even solo campaign on the higher levels because what the the multiplayer doesn't quite allow is the same sort of level of um skirmishes with groups of others because it becomes more of a you know more of a traditional death match or 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 even team death match and and it's a lot more about the beat down and the getting the drop and all that stuff whereas I've I always felt like ironically normally it's the other way around but I always felt like the single player is actually deeper in in Halo than the multiplayer but that said you know uh, there there was a lot of fun to be had um it's a, it's a very strategic multiplayer now I think the thing that surprises people about Halo 3 especially if they go back and play it now is that it's actually quite slow paced and your immediate impression of playing something like Halo is that it's going to be quite quick and quite frantic and it's not it's very measured and very tactical and there's no sprint um, of course yeah not not in this no. one and you know you've, you've got all the vehicles and uh, again you, you've got map control but if you learn where the weapons spawn are and you know you can, you can rush to the spot and laser and take down enemy vehicles and then there's like so many different modes from big team battle and uh, team death matter well slayer you know team slayer etc uh it, it's weird because I, I checked my stats for this and i know that my stats tracked really odd on halo 3 like my campaign completion for some reason says that it was in 2008 when i know i completed day one and uh it, it's all very bizarre uh but it's saying that my playtime was one day and 14 hours which really isn't a lot mm for a game like this and i know it was considerably more um and i'm in the same boat as you so a day in 14 hours and i think i should could and should have played it a lot more uh i mean for for me this this game kind of hit me at the right age so i i was 18 yeah. when i got into um um halo 3's multiplayer and i didn't have the you know as you get older you get this you know existential dread that you're wasting your time every time you <laughs> Uh, devote any you know it's not just like less free time because there are days where i do have plenty of free time and i could spend all of that day playing a game but a little voice in my head goes you're gonna die soon and you don't <laughs> it's all right. when you get and to you... my age you lose that again it, it lasts oh, about really? 10 or 15 years but then you okay. get to a point where it's like screw it i'm just gonna do whatever i enjoy until i die so okay it doesn't, ultimately well, I, I, look, I look forward to that ultimately time just you're never going to have any significant effect on the universe so just do what's fun <laughs> okay and i and i don't say that thank as an you david insult, simon you know i'm very fond of you but really yeah. it doesn't matter what you do you're just, at, you're just atoms at the end of the day and um you may as well may but, as well play um, some video games so you played I, I, I mean uh, yeah, I put um, I, an unhealthy amount of hours into Halo 3's multiplayer. I, I think it was one of the first online shooters that I really got into. Mm. And um, uh, I think, for me, it was kind of the slower pace that got me into it. I I couldn't really play stuff like Call of Duty 4, which came out a, a similar uh, in a similar time frame um it was just too fast paced and the, you know death came really quickly in those games where as halo 3 i felt like just because somebody initiated an attack 
did, didn't automatically meant that you were you dead. Know, you, nah. were dead. you could counterattack. You could do something to resolve that. And if you knew the game well enough, and you knew how to, you know, use grenades and and different types of weapons, you could you know conquer situations that seemed unwinnable. Um, and I, I think. Ultimately, I never had an experience with a Halo game like this ever again. Uh, it, it was really just that Halo 3 caught me at the right age, at the right time, where um, I, I could dedicate so much time to it. Even though I think, uh, in many regards, I think Halo Reach is probably the stronger multiplayer game. I just I never put the amount of hours that I put well, into I'm, Halo 3. Well, let, Darren, what's your story then? Are you... Well, I remember Halo 3, you know, from the beta with the crackdown, you know, uh, I was quite impressed with it by then, and I hadn't really enjoyed Halo multiplayer with randoms as much as I did until 3 came along, and I think that was partly down to Bungie.net incorporating, like, a whole stat system behind it, and it was kind of like a a forerunner for, for like, um, multiplayer games at the time, because I remember, like, playing Counter-Strike and other stuff, and we were, like, using third-party websites to track our stats, whereas Bungie seemed to have it all wrapped under their own umbrella and it was just like mm-hmm. it was it was really really crazy to see this amount of detail poured into one website and like you can literally see where you moved around a map at one point there was like heat signature maps and like there was like like mm. like graph lines popping around the map and told you where you died and when you died and it was such a rich kind of library of stats that you could you know pick for and probably get too obsessed over but that's kind of the reason why I, that's part of the reason why I kind of like Halo 3 multiplayer I I played Halo 3 for two years, uh, multiplayer. Um, mm. Any idea how many hours you clocked? Um, it's it's funny. I, the website only shows rank stuff, uh, and my yeah. story is quite funny here. So rank-wise, I played five days of multiplayer. Um, hmm. It's just you know, a, a fair 1,500 games. Um, but I I got in a group of people, and, and this was coming off um, like Gears of War. Back to what Josh was saying. I'm not so great at Twitch shooting. I've never been great at um, Counter-Strike. Terrible at Call of Duty. But stuff that has a slightly slower pace. Um, so, you know, more like, I guess, Battlefield you could put within there. But certainly Gears of War 1, where I put a huge amount of time in multiplayer because it was more about, you know, knowing the maps, finding the right weapons. And, you know, even if you got shot, it was it was no big deal. There was always a way out of it. Halo 3 was the same to me. I never got into 2, but 3, I had a, a group of friends and, the, you know, there was... Uh, eight of us if I remember rightly and we just played every night it was just two years of me playing Halo 3 fantastic and Gears of War every night and it was glorious it was fantastic we had a um, you know I can think of maps like High Ground where we had actual proper strategies put in place for every scenario of if you know, if a warthog would be coming up or if they were coming from Mongoose if you know part of the building was broken on one side if they're where the flag placements was we really worked as a team but we played so much in in custom matches i always you know once again josh's thing of going online and feeling incredibly inferior to the west rest of the world we never really had to deal with that in the end i think we played a lot of ranked and just decided that we had our group of people and we enjoyed it amongst ourselves so every night it would just be custom games um and you got to know people's play styles. Um, and it, it was a real special moment for me, Halo 3. I So much time, so many hours, so many games. Know those maps like the back of my hand. Know pretty, I feel like, most stuff about that game. Um, 
yet ranked it you know, going back into it and we now we had a, a Kane Rooms game night on this and yeah just going back into those maps and, and knowing where that, that stuff is yet yeah, coming against that unstoppable force that people have been playing it maybe for the last eight months of the game's release being out or just transferred onto it just feeling inferior in every way I, I yeah we haven't talked about Forge Forge was basically a a map editor um, but it was a lot simpler than what map editors had been before it was very much pick up geometry put it in place um you know big big they gave you a big area to mess around with and you could do some crazy stuff so you could create you know race tracks if you wanted to to race mongoose and what hogs around you could put basically spawn anything you wanted within the environment you would hit obviously a uh, a counter of how much stuff you could put in there before the game would start to, to glitch so you know there was limits to it but people were creating you know um you know in the air race tracks or you know recreating battles of some place it it got crazy and if i played some mode i remember this was when i was first um podcasting through so i'd kind of heard about this podcast game adore through uh, the roll map forum mm-hmm. i ended up playing with with some of those guys and there, there were these modes that they'd invented there was one i i'm sure it involved standing on very thin pieces of wood and avoiding <laughs> being dropped into mm-hmm. shark infested water or something i can't yeah i can't remember how it, it worked it, it, was, you, you can never underestimate the creativity of some people out there and this is something that we will expand on on reach because it went to crazy places with what people could do in in, in forge but i mean it, it's not that forge was the first level editor no, no, stuff like um time time splitters 2 had a really good simplistic editor but this was the one that didn't feel like it was it, it wasn't overly restrictive obviously as tony mentioned there was a count but it was use these assets and it was assets from the, the game. And Bungie were taking where you user want content do as and you adding want. it to their rotation as well, weren't they? But this, this is what gave the custom playlist. You know, my group of friends the longevity on that game is because you know once we'd you know played the eight maps that came with Halo Three, you know a, a few thousand times, it was like okay, now there was a fair bit of DLC and they almost double. I think they doubled the amount of maps, and there's some really good yeah. DLC maps that came with it. But three packs, Forge, I think they were. Full Moj gave us a um, an ability to just create our own entertainment um, for, for for two years, and like I say, Rumor Doom, really really simple map. All it was that everybody was spawned from the sides in from the top of the ceiling, jumped down. There would it's almost think of now as like Hunger Games. There would be a bunch of weapons in the middle. <laughs> um, there would also be um, jump pads off the side of the room, so a whole load of jump pads. So you could almost play an Unreal Tournament style. So you'd be desperate to get weapons and then just flinging yourself around the room as fast as possible there'd be the on odd um you know i think a mongoose in there just for a bit of fun and we probably played that level over a thousand times it it would never stopped being engaging because the core combat of or the core fundamentals of halo kind of stood there in that very close environment and it just it was so fun um i i think back to those days and and probably think i'll never experience that again so just wanted to have that moment yeah okay we need to move on but we do want to hear from uh, anthony or anthony daniels who emailed in uh, specifically about his multiplayer experiences so ideal uh, he says if halo 2 was a symbol of my high school days then halo 3 was my college years this game became our nightly shooter between me and my friends and was the first shooter i was actually good at We'd spend hours on matchmaking, fighting for the coveted MVP slot, and it was usually between me and a few of my friends. 
I remember the first time I realised I had gone 15 kills without a single death and the perfection medal was so close to being mine. I had five minutes left to go and me and my friends cowered in a cave in Valhalla protecting me with numerous shotgun beatdowns. Then as the clock reached 10 seconds, my friends had decided I was going to be the first to achieve the feat. They would turn on me for a laugh. Luckily, I escaped on a warthog as I was aware of their foolery. It was my first real online experience as before when we'd only had dial-up and my Unreal tournament games usually lagged. As I had a part-time job, I decided to pay for an upgrade to broadband. I'll never forget the epic battles on Epitaph or the race for the cloak in the pit. These moments forever put Halo 3 on a huge pedestal. So much so, I haven't been good at a shooter since then until Advanced Warfare because I just couldn't get into any other mechanics. The campaign itself was fun and exciting, but my memory of it isn't a fond one. I remember my jaw dropping at the scale, but the actual story and content I couldn't remember. What I do remember is the two versus four battles me and my friend would try to engage by coaxing the other team team players to beat us down in order to kick them. And we usually came out on top. This in turn landed us in hot bother and I had a few angry messages to deal with, but we craved the challenge. Overall, Halo 3 has always been the benchmark of my multiplayer experience online and few games have rarely hit it. Arena shooters have always been the most fun to me and I hope one day we'll go back to it. Thanks, Anthony. And we've got a couple uh, from the forum, canerince.com slash forum, about the Halo 3, starting with Nekimancer. He says, I buy every Halo with the purpose of only playing the campaign on various difficulties. Anything past that is great, but I'm just in love with the stories of these games. Multiplayer isn't a critical aspect of it for me anymore, just campaign and co-op campaign. But Halo 3 actually brought LAN gaming back to me for our, back for me for a while. I remember playing Halo Combat Evolved in high school and my freshman year in college all the time in large groups. Halo 2 destroyed that whole community for me though. The game coming out right around finals time wasn't great either. I spent a fair bit of time screwing around with the mode creator in Halo 3, had a bunch of parties fall into long zombie mode matches, played a little bit of online versus. The campaign itself is still great. I haven't had time to go back to replay it in the Master Chief collection, but I have nothing but positive memories of the campaign. I don't know if I'd call it my favourite Halo game, but it's certainly a contender. Uh, finally, from the forum for this issue, we have Chase210. He says, this is a big game for me, huge in fact. Halo 3 was the first Halo game I ever played, since I wasn't an Xbox owner at the original launch of Combat Evolved or 2. I was so hyped for Halo 3, I read every book, I watched every trailer, I downloaded the Halo soundtracks onto my PSP to listen to. I saved my allowance for months and begged my mum to help me with the rest, so on launch day I got Halo 3 and an Xbox 360 from GameStation. Then I discovered the original 360 sounded like a jet engine and didn't have built-in wireless, and you had to pay for online, but whatever, I was so excited. It was pretty much the first FPS I ever played that's not Metroid Prime, and I was blown away. It looked great, the story is pretty interesting, even though I had to watch Combat Evolved and two stories on the internet at the time. In particular, the Ark is one bloody great level. The Flood never were and never are that great to fight, but it's not exactly torture, it's just kinda not as good as the Covenant. But the real revelation was the online multiplayer. I arranged some games with some guys from my class in school, and we played one evening with headsets, online co-op and deathmatches. It was bloody brilliant, some of the best fun I think I've ever had with a shooter still to this day. We made stuff in Forge, we recorded clips, we set up dumb games, we did legendary co-op campaign together over a few weeks. It was so much fun. 
I love Halo 3. It's one of my favourite shooters of all time. It's rare a game I'm so hyped for lives up to my own dumb expectations. But Halo 3 was that game. So much so, I'm afraid to play the Master Chief Collection in case it spoils my memory of it. <laughs> Could happen. Probably not. I think you'd be right. I don't think it'll spoil it. You might go, oh, it's not quite as amazing as I remember, but I think, yeah, if you liked it then, you'll still have a good time now, I'm sure. Now, in brief, some uh, Twitter, at Kanerince, three-word reviews. Ross Booth says, D-N-F. Did not finish. <laughs> in my own words. <laughs> Thanks. Deacon050C says, Sick of flood. James Official said, can't do faces. Yep. And so, to sum up as briefly as we can, I think, uh, I think listeners will already have a sense of how uh, we feel about Halo in general and how we feel about Halo 3. Uh, No, we don't have anyone on these podcasts who has completed the Halo games but doesn't like them. Um, You're just going to have to deal with that, I'm afraid. Um, so I like Halo 3 and I've, I've enjoyed going back to it and I, I have a, a certain amount of affection for it. But I do find that overall my uh, feelings towards it are not as strong as they are for either Combat Evolved or later on Reach. I'm not sure. I was trying to think why that is. Um, I wasn't, you know, especially massively hyped for this game. I mean, enough to buy it at launch and, and all that, obviously, and play it through. I definitely had a good time then and a good time now as i say i think maybe it's that this game was released at uh, the the culmination of what was a for me personally a phenomenal year 2007 of games and it came out um there were three months in a row where edge magazine gave uh, gave its rare tens out halo 3 one month then the orange box next month and super mario galaxy the next month and for me i i you know i i prefer personally the orange box and super mario galaxy to halo 3 now that's obviously it's a ridiculous pointless comparison but i think the fact that i played those around the same time may have taken some of the shine off off of my halo 3 experience um and halo 3 was you know felt more like something i'd done before but that said uh, it's a darn fine entry into a darn fine series and uh yeah it's it's it used its extra next genishness for for uh, to good purpose with with added stuff and excess josh um so i have this being the first entry in the series for me i do have some quite fond memories of it and i i do feel attached to it but if i were you know to compare it to the rest of the series having gone back and played the campaign for halo one i i do think that campaign is stronger and um like leon said i i also think halo reach later on when we cover that i i prefer that game's single player campaign but for me what what made this game special is the multiplayer and um like no game since i managed to pour hours and hours and hours into the multiplayer and it, it kind of really was my first experience with online multiplayer um and for that yeah uh, it will always hold a place amongst my favorites just because it was an introduction to a lot of things that we um you know associate with online multiplayer and and so forth carl moon yes halo 3 is such an important game you know as leon mentioned it came in 2007 which was such a key year it was when the consoles were really taking off and you know we'd started to have some big big 
really important titles like Gears of War, which I mentioned. And, uh, and and this felt like this was the point where people were really starting to pull into this, you know, quote unquote next gen um, from the original Xbox and PlayStation 2. And uh, the multiplayer was driving people in towards it. And it didn't matter where you, you know, what time you went on to the multiplayer, you were always in packed servers full of people seemingly having a good time across maps and across modes and it was just absolutely wonderful it was so feature-packed um from you know the the theater and forge to to player share uh that i never felt short of something to do and it didn't matter what i was going in on that night to play if i was playing halo 3 i could do you know i could do the forge i could do the multiplayer i could do the campaign i could do online campaign i could do local land campaign and every i enjoyed every single one of them uh, from the moment that I booted up the game for the first time and you hear that Halo theme playing in 5-1 for the first time from the start menu um, and I just sat there uh, I wouldn't say I welled up but there was something emotional going on at that moment uh, and I sat there for a good 15-20 minutes whilst that theme just played over and you see the arc in the background and um, that was just a wonderful memory uh, and it for me it only got better there and you know, like several people, like Chase mentioned in his feedback, he's worried to go back to it. But you know, we did as part of the uh, Master Chief Collection before going into this, and it, you know, it's aged. That's common sense. It's eight years old. It doesn't have the graphical fidelity it once had, and even then, we could criticise it. But it still plays that moment-to-moment gameplay that that the Halo games do um, better than. Better than any other single player shooter out there, you know. It's I, no matter the level, I'll always find a moment of fun in it. And going through that campaign in four player co op with Darren, Tony, and John, and the laughs we had, and just talking about silly points and referencing the music, or the little quotes we'd hear the grunts say, or the little bits of combat, or the daft physics where you know, if you Darren has posted a few uh, on his on his Twitter feed, if you look through his media history and whatnot, that they're just just pure comedy where something's gone wrong, and um, whether it's when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's hilarious. Um, that pretty much sums up the Halo 3 experience for me when you're playing it in uh, with friends. Uh, the, the multiplayer still holds up. Thankfully, it's back on its feet because with the Master Chief Collection, it's brought full servers again um, with its share of maps. It, it, it's not a perfect game. you know. The, the, the facial animation w- wasn't good in the first place. The story can get lost for a, you know, a lot of people. Um, it has the worst level of in all of the Bungie Halo games in Cortana. Uh, But despite that, the positives so outweigh the negatives. Um, Whether you've never played it before or you've played it several tens of times like I have, uh, it is still so much fun to play. It's just a fantastic game. And if more... Uh, developers and publishers looked at Halo 3 as a benchmark of what they wanted to base their games on rather than the likes of Call of Duty and Battlefield and whatnot. I think we'd have a far more diverse landscape of shooters to play. Uh, So for me, whenever I need anything like a a palette cleanser or a refresher on what first-person shooters can do in single-player, Halo 3 is always one of the ones that I think about playing. So, yeah, absolutely recommended. Darren Gargett. Yeah, after Halo 2, 
<clears throat> I was honestly a little bit cautious about where Halo was going to go, but you know the E3 reveals got me excited and you know, it didn't stop me buying it for, on day one. This is you know this is back in the day when those when the games were more modern. Uh, yeah, you know I really enjoyed Halo Three back then, and I've played it a few times since, and I've enjoyed it every time since then as well. And I think it's a really well. Um, crafted game and it holds up even now you know it has a few downsides mainly visual and you know a, a few levels here and there aren't particularly great but it reminds me of halo one more than possibly any other halo and i think that's why i kind of have it so you know beloved in my heart is that it reminds me of halo one and the fact that you're kind of you know at the, the last level being you know an obvious nod towards halo one and the fact that you're bombing towards an end goal in a vehicle and it's all kicking off around you it has a, a rubbish level full of flood library and cortana and it, you know it, it there's a lot of like grassland vehicle there's a, there's a lot of snow vehicle combats and it, it it echoes halo one but it kind of scales it down i, I feel like halo one is is amazing <clears throat> but it kind of feels too grand it feels massive like as if i think we mentioned it before but like as if the scale was accidentally set incorrectly and the world feels massive and Master Chief feels tiny whereas Halo Field kind of brings it all back down to kind of reality in a way like the world feels more fit around Master Chief it doesn't it doesn't feel 10 times bigger than him do you know what I mean it feels like it was um it was meant to be around him on purpose but yeah um Halo 3 uh it's really good and I I, you know I did really enjoy playing it uh even now um it's quite weird because it's the first 360 Halo, and you know, out of all four of them, it it sets a really strong precedent for you know what is to come in the whole arc of the the 360 lifespan. And um, yeah, uh, yeah, if you're if you're worried about playing Halo 3 again, don't because you you know it's still really good. And uh, yeah, Master Chief Collection does it, um, it all. It does is just it just makes it even better in my opinion. Thanks, Darren. And let's conclude with Tony. Yeah. This is going to sound like a negative point, but it's not meant to be. Um, Halo 3, for me, so far out of the three games we played, feels like the most streamlined of the series. Um, that comes with both negatives and positives. I, I still love the rawness of one, like Darren was saying. Like this, The scale feels far grander than you, and there's something about almost being oppressive about how big that game is. It's, it's really an interesting experience. Uh, two, I, I adore... I didn't adore. I found the story um, arc to be really interesting, and the the gameplay that come from the narrow corridors, um, you know, very different from what I remember it being. Free feels like it's a combination of those those two, and it's very much streamlined. It's very much the money's been thrown at it. They've given a bit more time, and because of that, everything works the way it should do. But it maybe lacks a little bit of character. It's just odd going back to it now. I just felt maybe a little bit. Of, it's something was slightly off off for it for me um saying that i i still utterly adore it um I, you you asked me you know you my 2007 self then i think that edge 10 was thoroughly deserved um you know i i can't say spending two years in with a game in its multiplayer um and playing its single player you know just well clearly six times through at some point um you know isn't worth that 10 to me it really was um i think coming back to it now there's issues which are highlighted um and it maybe doesn't feel as grand or as fresh but playing through it this week 
I still had a huge smile on my face. Still feel like games could do so much more if they followed some of the the traits of what the Halo series had. But having known, have, well, knowing what's coming up with Reach, and having oh, that experience with Combat Evolved, which is still such a good game, um, I I do feel a little bit like yeah, Halo Three is a really, really, really good game, but it can't reach. Hey, can't reach the point um, of a couple of the games in the series, and and that's really a, a tough criticism because you know my love for this game is still very very strong. Fantastic to play. Don't be scared back to play it now. Pick yourself a Master Chief Collection, play through it, and if you can with, with a friend and play on the higher difficulty. And like we're always say, Halo is just the gameplay. Whether all the other elements around it, the gameplay moment to moment gameplay is still super fun. Um, so yeah, highly recommended. Yeah, heroic solo. Co-op legendary, you're golden. Uh, we'll talk about Halo 3 ODST, the, the uh, beast of DLC that became a, a boxed game in about a month's time. Until then, uh, it remains for me, Leon, to thank Tony, Darren, Josh and Carl. And to remind you that next issue, 186, the poppies are in the field, but don't ask me what that means. Valiant Hearts, The Great War. <laughs>